Club. Yay, she's back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I love you guys. We love you back. <laughs> it's been a while. It's a lot has happened since we yes. last spoke. <laughs> so much. From bull market to bear market, just 180. Truly, like the highest, the almost highest highs to some of the lowest lows that people have seen in a really long time, especially people who are new to crypto in the past, what, two or three years. Or invested in Terra. <laughs> yeah. RIP. <laughs> I was about to say raise his hand, but I didn't invest in Terra. I just mean crypto, two-year noob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what has it been like to be on the like sort of wave of crypto, NFTs, blockchain, education during this time? Because you all at Crypto Witch Club, you're so good at introducing newbies to this world, especially people who are maybe not like, I don't want to say the most financially literate, but maybe who, I guess we could call them that, right? They probably would be self-identified as like not the most tech financial savvy people yeah, in the we're world. we're not taught that stuff. So, you know, it makes sense. No shame. Right. So how has it been for you guys navigating this time and kind of like educating people and simultaneously like easing their hopes and fears and everything that's happening? Yeah, it's it's so interesting. So I think you really know how you feel individually about crypto when you go through a bear market. Like, mm -hmm. do you actually believe in the technology or did you just get excited? And now you're kind of like, I'm not so sure about this. This is my second bear market. My first one was in 2018. So for me personally, and my business partner, we're kind of like, this isn't so painful. Like, you know, it's been a lot of years in the space. We've done this before. What a great buying opportunity. But for the people who just got in in the past two years or so, um, like Wallace, I can totally see how it's disheartening um, when you hit your first bear market because, you know, you were doing so good dollar cost averaging. You were, you know, so proud of your earnings. And then not only do you see them suddenly seem like they're evaporating, you know, it goes below your investment level. So I would say people in general, we've noticed our community is like still positive as a whole and still doing what they're doing. But you can definitely tell people are a little more cautious. You know, they're asking mm -hmm. a few more questions, which I think is great, you know, ask away. And they're being a little more cautious and, you know, you can't blame them, but I think the thing we try to remind people is like, it's great to exercise caution. It's great to do that in a way like that's positive, like you're diversifying or, you know, maybe you're just putting a little less in, but also um, for, you know, the stock market and crypto, I feel like bear markets are where the money's made. So it's been kind of exciting to be like, okay, like, you know, it might've dropped, but Slip it For the people in the back, what is a bear market? How would you describe it? And how would you describe it specifically as it relates to crypto right now? And what's kind of unique about this one for crypto at this time? Yeah. So a bear market traditionally is defined when the stock market drops more than 20% over a certain time frame. In crypto, uh, it can be a lot more volatile. So what you see is, you know, a more than like 50% drop in some <laughs> yeah, cases. Two, 
Two hundred percent. Yeah. So a, a bear market is when you have a steep drop in price, and essentially just money is leaving the market. People are pulling it out. The valuations are getting lower. Um, I think we've seen a lot of crypto companies have a, a lot of layoffs. So a lot of people looking to start working in Web three, like there's not as many jobs, and there's layoffs happening to the people who just got in. But a bear market is when the markets are are having a tough time. They're low. And over time, it all, it does end up being very cyclical. Just stock markets, um, you'll see ebbs and flows. You'll have, you know, multi-year bull runs, and then you'll have times where, you know, you have a bear market and it rebounds. But the great thing, if you look at large cap cryptos and have been around for a while, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, over time, if you invest long-term, those projects have gone up, which is, it's great. So it's like a light at the end of the tunnel, knowing you have some price history there, even though the technology is new. Right. My dad was just on the podcast. He has worked in finance for 40 years and he was explaining this recession that we're going into. And he kind of, you know, talked about just the recession sort of cycle and bull and bear markets as like, it's a calling, a natural calling that has to happen in the market. Like, we have seen this insane bull run, which just means that the market is super positive. People are making lots of money. Prices are going up in investments, usually in stocks, but also in crypto. And eventually that has to come to an end because or else we just have these like totally outsized valuations. So it's kind of like nature is always writing itself. And the idea is that with free markets, they're also constantly you know, writing themselves based on the checks and balances of number one, what people have faith in and believe in, uh, the fear of buyers and what buyers believe, and also just what companies do the best, right? Or are going to actually have um, some staying power, have real technology to them or real value to them over time. Absolutely. It's like a rebalancing. Yep. It's kind of just like coming back to nature and the good thing is, I mean, I think what you see in a lot of bull markets is it gets, sometimes it gets so crazy. You're seeing companies be overevaluated and, you know, people are starting to really ride on hype more than fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing is about, about a bear market, if you can say there's a nice thing, is I think people start looking at the fundamentals more. The, the brands and companies and projects that have good fund- fundamentals tend to stay and tend to use bear markets kind of as a building process. And I think the ones that don't have fundamentals or maybe have like a hole in their dam, so to speak, if you look at something like Terra, unfortunately, we see those losses. Yeah. And I feel like there's been just from the media I've been taking in, in the crypto world versus sort of traditional finance, the question right now, maybe it's clickbait, maybe, I don't know, it's people just being sort of pessimistic towards crypto and blockchain is, is this actually the fall? of crypto and blockchain because there was no there there to begin with. And it really the market was all based on hype versus, you know, stocks are a percentage of a publicly traded company, something that does something quote unquote real in the world. Are you hearing a lot of that too? Or are you in different media circles than, than maybe we are? I mean, yeah, I've been hearing the same thing. If you look at kind of traditional media and it's very reminiscent of, you know, what I saw in 2018 when people were saying the same thing. But I feel like there was a moment in like 2018 or maybe it was 2019 where I was just like, 
maybe I made a mistake. Like maybe I didn't understand what I was investing in. I had put so much money in and I was like, I'm not pulling it out. Like I really do believe in it. But there was like a week or two where I was like, do I, you know, cause I was just start like just starting to break. And as soon as I kind of like broke, it went up and I was like, oh, it's happening. Like I've heard about this, like it's happening. And you know, I, I totally get the pessimism because like you said, unlike a publicly traded company where you have these resources or a product, um, there is a, there, there's speculative assets at the end of the day. That's what crypto is, but they also do have the utility. Like if you look at Ethereum, yes, there's a Ethereum blockchain and there's Ethereum cryptocurrency. And of course, a cryptocurrency project can fail. It can be run into the ground. We've seen it happen before, but when you think about the utility, there are so many other tokens and other decentralized apps and other platforms that are running on the Ethereum network. Even if Ethereum, the token somehow collapsed, you have such an ecosystem because all these people are building on the Ethereum network because of smart contracts and functionality. So it's, it gives a, a sense of security, right? There's a lot that rides on Ethereum. For Ethereum to fail, a lot would have to topple. So it's kind of interesting how the ecosystem works. And I think that's what really provides the value. It's the utility and then it's the partnerships and what they're doing with that utility. So if you look at like a V chain, you know, they're working with like LVMH and BMW on like consumer safety. And probably just because there's a bear market doesn't mean they'll go away. As a result of exactly what's happening now, I'm wondering if you think there has been a bubble in crypto and this is somewhat of a corrective measure for those companies or currencies where there wasn't really a there there. Because, of course, we're going to see some of that when there's so much innovation and boom happening in a sector. I'm just kind of curious if you think that's what's happening now at all. Yeah, I think there's definitely an element to all corrections. I mean, it gets to a point where when a bull market is just being bullish because it's just being fueled and the excitement's there, right? There's a website called the Fear and Greed Index, and it actually Ooh. like calculates based on Twitter and other so- social metrics how much fear or greed is in the market right now. So in that bull run, every single day we go on, it was like greed, 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 because people were just getting excited. And that's not to say, you know, you shouldn't invest during a bull market, like absolutely feel free. But I think some of the projects, especially were getting overvalued. It was definitely running on some hype and there needed to be a correction for sure. Yeah, and that, that fear greed index comes from Warren Buffett, right? He says, when everyone is fearful, be greedy. When everyone is greedy, be fearful. And basically like be more conservative, I guess, when the market is super, super good. And during times like this, during a bear market, you can look at everything as being on sale. This is when they say millionaires and billionaires are made is during bear markets, not during bull markets. If you have the extra capital. If you yes, have the exactly. extra capital. Yeah. And are prepared to maybe lose some of it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go in, you should really be thinking long term. Usually when I see a bull market getting like if I'm seeing my portfolio getting really peaky and just shooting up and shooting up and I'm doing like 30% increase days, 50% increase days, I tend to actually scale back, but I'm investing. I still do reoccurring investments like weekly. But I definitely scale it back and I kind of, you know, look to other things I can invest in, like my 401k or, you know, your Roth IRA. There's so many 
there it's it's a good time to slow it down if you want to. But I mean, yeah, Warren Buffett is the goat and he's totally right. You really have to be a little counterintuitive. But I think if you trust yourself and you believe in the technology and the potential for crypto, like it's a little bit easier to be counterintuitive and to buy in when you see the prices just in free fall. Yeah. And so many of us are, number one, who are listening to this, are super intuitive, but also I would say like highly emotional people, right? Like our intuition is connected to our emotions and your intuition is incredibly helpful when it comes to investing and thinking about money, I think especially with crypto. But getting emotional about it can actually kind of backfire because once you start to get scared or anxious or overthink things, then you end up pulling your money out, right? And you don't want to pull your money out, your investments out at the bottom of a bear market. You want to just, you know that this is actually an archetypal journey, right? That there is always going to be an end. There's always going to be an upside. You just have to stick in it for long enough to see that upside happen. And that means you kind of have to like put on your armor, trust your intuition over your anxiety. And also I think stay informed like with and stay, follow along with Crypto Witch Club. <laughs> yeah. And I think the more you talk with other women in this space, the more confident you'll feel if you're somebody who believes in crypto, but is a little anxious and a little scared, like money insecurity is like my number one fear. So I fully understand how scary it is to one day be like, oh, I think I'm doing okay. And then lose your job or, you know, have a big correction in the markets or, I mean, anything. So I get it. But I think the more you talk to people in the space and the more you kind of decide what's the right investment style for you and how much do you actually want to put in, you know, if you're somebody who put in a lot during the bull market and then maybe was like, oh gosh, I could have made that more balanced and I wish I would have stuck to my investment goals and didn't go all in on something, you know, these are the times to like recalibrate, reconnect, maybe re-diversify your portfolio if you need to, and then go from there. For somebody who's been thinking about and curious about starting to invest in crypto for a long time and maybe has people around them who's like, see, I told you, <laughs> you know, because yes. I was talking to a friend about this the other day who's on dating apps and he is creating a DAO and works in crypto. And he's like, if I say I work in crypto, they write me off as a crypto bro immediately, whatever that means to them. And he is so not in that category at all. And I feel like there's so much stigma still. And so to your point, finding those communities and people that you really resonate with is so important. But if someone was like, all right, everything's on sale. I get that. I have a little bit of extra money to invest in right now. How would you kind of guide people in approaching you mentioned your investing goals. And I think that's also important to have a rubric. But what would you say to someone who's just getting started? I would say be intentional and really value your education as you're starting. So as with any investment journey, if you're investing in crypto for the first time, and you know maybe you have a little bit invested in the stock market, or you have some in savings in your emergency fund, I think you need to outline your goals for your life and what your investments are for. So what are you looking to achieve? Are you investing because you want to save up for a down payment on a house? Are you investing for your retirement? Do you want to invest for maybe four years and then go on a vacation? I think 
everything is so specific to where you are and who you are. But I think it's important to kind of write that down for yourself, kind of like intentions at the beginning of the day. Like, this is what I want. This is what I'm putting in to get it. And then I think the biggest thing is that the first step is always scary and it all sounds like there's so much to do. Um, But if you just go and start with an exchange and download Coinbase or Gemini, like a centralized, insured, easy to use exchange, um, they have a lot of educational programs right on the app. So you can download one of those and then start learning about the projects in the exchange. Um, even Coinbase will reward you. They'll like send you like $5 in crypto for like learning and taking these little quizzes and tests. So it's a really easy way to like get involved and decide what you want to do. And then at that point, you're already in the app and have it downloaded. You already are doing your education and like or confirming the education you've gotten other places in the app. And then I think you'll feel a lot more confident hitting buy versus when you try to do all your research and learn before even taking the first step. And then you're going to be like, I know I want this crypto and I want to buy this much and this, but like you haven't even downloaded the exchange or signed up for a wallet. It's going to feel so overwhelming. So start with the first step, but do it intentionally. I will also say that it feels like there's less of a sense of urgency to learn everything so fast when there's a bear market because it's not moving fast in like a good direction. You know, it's like, well, (laughs) prices might only drop. So I might as well take my time learning this thing and really like invest in something that I truly believe in and understand rather than sort of spray and play, which I think happens when you, and it's a good learning experience when you first get started. You want to invest in a bunch of different projects, maybe, you know, whatever you're okay with basically dropping down to zero. I think of it as like, if this money is going to disappear, am I okay with like parting with this money and then being pleasantly surprised if a project does well? But another question for you is, I think a lot of exchanges have seen a lot of turbulence over the last few weeks. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of Celsius. Voyager just announced on July 1st that they've paused all transactions and no one can take their money out. These are exchanges and sort of hot wallets, right? Is the same thing going to happen to Coinbase or to Gemini? Like, Should people be worried? A lot of what we're seeing, if you look at something like a Celsius or Voyager, is the way I would describe it to people not in the Web3 space is imagine if there was like a bank run, like a bank crash, and the bank shut the doors to the people whose money was there, right? So a lot of people were on Celsius because it had a really high staking rate. And what that means is instead of moving your money to a wallet, you could leave it on Celsius or have it in a Celsius exchange and earn really high interest rates on it. It was like 18%, I think. So it's shocking and it's scary to see everything be like stop all withdrawals and all trades. Do I see that happening for Coinbase or Gemini? No, because they have a different business model. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't offer those staking rates and they don't offer those type of products. They're centralized and they're insured up to a point. But also like, I want to say never say never because you really don't know. And I don't, you can't, you know, see into the future. And like I said, these were trusted platforms that went down. Well, and to your point earlier about Ethereum, there's so much infrastructure built around Ethereum. And I think sort of like the dominoes of infrastructure behind Celsius, behind Voyager, the people that sort of like owed them money, defaulted on that 
defaulted on those payments, which sort of put them in flux and made them not as liquid as they could be. So yes, it's it's sort of like, um, what's it called? When, like tourniqueting a wound, right? Like we're going to stop the flow of blood to hopefully try and save <laughs> the leg. And that's scary and maybe painful, but hopefully in the long run, it actually prevents any more damage from happening, right? Ideally, right? That's what we're all hoping. But I think it it goes back to like, this is so new. It's mm-hmm. so young. People are figuring things out for the first time and companies and consumers are learning really hard lessons and learning experiences. But I think when you're in a space like this, it's very like early internet, you don't know what's going to be the winner because we had Google and we had Amazon, but we also had like Ask Jeeves and (laughs) Pets.com and MySpace. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We we had all these other things. So you're never 100% sure the the way to keep your crypto the safest is to diversify and to keep it in a wallet. And not a wallet where you're staking, like actually a safe wallet. I'm still staking through the bear market. I do have like 25%, 30% off my portfolio staking in DeFi. And to be honest, it's just because the Ethereum gas fees are too high for me to pull out. I was like, it's not worth it. It's insane. Spending yeah. hundreds of dollars to pull my money out to safety. Like you can have it, you know, but that being said, if I lost 25% of my portfolio, also, let me say these are staked across three different exchanges. So mm-hmm. if one went down, I'd probably lose like 10% of my portfolio. So it wouldn't break me, but please don't go down. <laughs> We talked about in our last episode with you, and you guys have had some great content on Instagram and on your podcast about wallets and wallet types. Do you think that people should move from a sort of hot wallet like the Coinbase wallet or MetaMask or Gemini to a cold wallet to something that's like totally theirs? Because of course, once you take something off of an exchange, it is yours. That is like, that's why you need to move your money from Coinbase once you buy it to your to your actual wallet. But do we need to go full cold wallet, like full USB, full hard drive? Yeah, I don't think it hurts. I think if you're not planning on buying, selling, trading in the next year or putting it into the market the next year, which honestly I wouldn't do, why sell at the bottom of a bear market, especially right. if you bought in a little higher up, I would move it to a ledger or a Trezor wallet. Um, I think those are really trusted and you don't really need it in a hot wallet unless you're doing something with it. So let it hibernate, let it live its best life, put it let someplace it safe. Yeah. Put your seed phrase someplace else. So if you lose <laughs> your hardware wallet, you can still recover it. Oh my God. As an ADHD person, this is my nightmare. <laughs> like, Truly. Really? I can't do this. <laughs> Me too. When I was just starting out in crypto, it's so shameful. I've never admitted this before. I left all my crypto on exchanges for two years. I didn't have a wallet. Girl. (laughs) From 2017 to 2019, I was like, I would tell everybody like, you need a wallet. But I didn't have one because (laughs) I felt felt like I was too scattered to have one or have more passwords. But I got a wallet because I almost lost my money on an exchange, actually. No. So yeah, I got this um, warning from the exchange I was on, Binance. When I got into crypto, there wasn't a Binance US. It was Binance International. So that's where I would go. And they're like, if you're a US customer, you can't use the international version anymore. Like, get off. But thankfully, that's that's what it took for me to get a wallet. Is I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a statistic. 
got my wallets, went out. And actually there was one I forgot to like recover in time. So I have like a little bit of a crypto like floating around <laughs> on the Binance <laughs> exchange, but it's such a learning experience. But like, yeah, it's not as scary as it may seem, like as wiggly as my brain is. It, it's a lot sharper when it comes to holding on to my money. Yeah. So just put- what's your trick for storing your seed fr- phrases? Because you're not supposed to yes. store them on your computer. You're supposed to store them where they cannot be hacked. Yeah. So what I would do is, or what I do is I have them written down and in my jewelry box right now, which is like random, but it's just the letters and the words. I don't say on each one, like each piece of paper where the exchange goes to, but like you can do it in a sneaky way. Like if it's Gemini exchange, you can like try to draw a little Gemini thing someplace on the paper. I don't know. Right. Or name your Gemini friend. Something yeah, like that. I would write it down with with just the numbers and not where it goes to, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, find your own way to keep that organized. And then mine shouldn't be in my jewelry box. It should be in a safe because my parents mm-hmm. bought me like a huge fireproof safe for my no wedding. Oh, so nice. I, I love nothing, that. I have nothing to put in it besides like my birth certificate and a few pieces of paper. But I'm like, whatever. Like at least they're here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean – no matter how ADD you might be, you'll be able to do it. Like it's not going to add too much more complication to having it in exchange. We just have to trust ourselves. I feel like a squirrel with dementia sometimes because I'm like, I hide things constantly being like, oh, I totally am going to know where to find that later. And three years later, I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that was a very important document that I needed two years ago. Cool. But I like that, like putting it in a jewelry box or obviously a safe. It's kind of like a spell. This rem- it reminds me of this spell that you could do, <laughs> you probably, probably shouldn't do, to like freeze someone negative out of your life. Ooh. You write their name down on a piece of paper and then you put them in your freezer. <laughs> Easy. I love it. <laughs> I like the idea of like putting your, your crypto on ice, you know, just like put it in the freezer. I mean, it doesn't, it's not going to drop too much. It's not going to go up too high, yeah. but like just put it there for a while, you know? Yeah. And it's also kind of like out of sight, out of mind. It's like when people freeze their credit cards so they don't go totally. shopping. Yes. Like, just get it out of, out of your mind because even like my co-founder and I were talking the other day and we're like, as positive as we are, there's still those moments you wake up and you look at the like the numbers and where the markets are at and you're like, Oof. like, ouch. <laughs> but you just have to be able to compartmentalize car- it a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, you know what, today I'm going to do some yoga. I'm going to focus on some work or I'm going to do something else that brings me joy. Because if you don't want to look at it, turn your alerts off put it in a cold wallet and, you know, just take a little crypto break. It's okay. It'll still be here when you get back. Yeah. And longevity, man. You just got to stay in the game. Don't, don't get too much in your head. Yeah. Like you can only like truly like lose, lose if you pull it out. Exactly. But I think that's really hard to remember. Speaking of longevity, I'm curious about certain reward models and currencies and tokens or ways of accruing them and whether you think that's going to last, like the play to earn models or even some of these insanely high yields and staking opportunities. Are these really sustainable? I can understand why for a company like Coinbase, play to earn is a great feature and product for user acquisition, retention. But some of the other ones, I'm like, hmm, is this legit? How long will this actually last? Can these businesses survive throughout? Yeah, I think some are sustainable and some are not. 
And I think it just goes back to having to do your own research and really check the credibility. When I got into like the wonderful world of like DeFi and being on decentralized exchanges, I would see these liquidity pools, which are essentially a pool where you can put your crypto in along with other crypto holders and people can borrow and take loans out from it. And then they pay you interest. And there were some that were, it was crazy. It was like 300% APY, you know, there's only, but there's only like half a million dollars, you know, of contributors in there. And I was like, this just doesn't feel safe. Like, I'm just not going to risk it. So to answer your question, like, no, I don't think all these models are going to keep going. But I do think a lot of the main drivers will still be there. I think we're going to see a lot of like play to earn gaming. And I think some people that could be a full-time job do play to earn gaming. I'm excited about things like that. And then I think in terms of seeing like staking and staking rewards, I think when you see something that seems like outrageous or maybe a little too good to be true, you need to do your due diligence, like look up the white papers, look up the founders and see what businesses they've done before. Because if they've done something with a similar promise, you know, it might be something to watch out for. Or if they've had, you know, businesses with similar intent and it failed before, it just might not be sustainable. Totally. Is there anything right now that you're like, ooh, watch out for this type of scheme that you're seeing a lot of? There's nothing like super I mean, obviously there's scams everywhere, but there's nothing major than someone like setting it off in my head. I would say the one thing I've noticed. So after the Terra Luna Mm -hmm. debacle, and as you know, that's an algorithmic stable coin. So they work together to keep the, the level secure. I've been like a lot more cautious about stable coins and how they're actually being backed and what's actually realistic. So if you look at something like DAI, which is another stable coin, it's set up in the same way as Terra Luna. So now I'm kind of like, oh gosh, like I've recommended DAI to people, you know? So let me look into that stable coin and actually see, like, I think the idea of an algorithmic stable coin is so genius and such a good idea. That's why I thought Terra was super great. But I'm like, oh no, maybe we need to look at these because at the end of the day, whether terror was actually something very internal, you know, and a lot of like corruption there, or if it was something by outside actors, it essentially was a broken stress test, right? If you don't know what something's full capabilities are, you don't know when it's going to break. And I think that's true for a lot of projects. So I've been looking into things like die where I'm like, okay, well, what makes die different? Than something like the what happened with Terra Luna, like how would something like Dai prevent it if it also is an algorithmic stablecoin? Like, does that type of functionality work once it gets so big? Mm-hmm. I think that when something like Terra fails, people they might automatically jump to, oh, none of this is real, none of this works. If something like this could fail, then this is all fake news, basically. But we've had total market failures in the stock market and in the sort of like traditional financial markets before, like most recently in 2008. It wasn't just a recession. That was a total market failure where the government had to sort of step in and fix things and, and sort of save our asses. And we don't look at the market necessarily like stock market in the same way that we do with the same sort of like mm, side eye as we do with crypto. But we kind of should, you know, like just 
fact that crypto is decentralized, there's no sort of governing body that can step in and say, okay, we're going to fix this. Probably. Um, maybe. Who knows if it gets really, really bad. But that's kind of the point of crypto, right? Is that it's decentralized from any one sort of government. Right. You shouldn't need Mark Zuckerberg to pop in, you know, and like give hearings. Like nobody asks for that. Right. <laughs> totally. And I think the, the other thing too is like when people are like, oh, crypt, they see a project fail mm-hmm. or a project that is, ends up being a scam and people get rug pulled. They're like, this is dead. This is over. This isn't something that's real. Like all crypto is a Ponzi scheme. Right. It's kind of like saying like, if we work fails, then all co-working spaces are, you know, destined to fail. <laughs> right. Right. Cause it's not the crypto market. It's not just one coin, one blockchain. Like it's so immersive. Like, you know, thousands of coins will fail. Mm-hmm. But there will be, you know, that top 100, then don't. So that's such a good analogy. It truly is like saying, yeah. well, if one business fails, no businesses are legitimate. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> businesses fail all the time or restaurants, right? Like restaurants go out of business in New York all the time, constantly. But you would never say like good restaurants, right? good right. restaurants. Exactly. You would never say like restaurants are fake news. Restaurants are a total Ponzi scheme. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, just because like Kmart went bankrupt doesn't mean Walmart and Target and everything else are too. So for our intuitive witchy listeners out there, I mean, you are Crypto Witch Club. What is the like big spiritual lesson you think that we're kind of learning right now as we go through this dark night of the soul, you might say, during the crypto downturn? I would say just like trust yourself and trust the process. Mm. Like invest in what you believe in. And if you're committed to like an idea or working in Web3 or the technology, just trust yourself because the amount of times I've heard like the crypto market's going to fail or go to zero. And, you know, even the people really stressed out about the stock market being like this industry is so untrustworthy or over. It's kind of just like... It's very cyclical. It always is like, I think you said earlier, it's kind of like nature. Like it needs to come down, be reborn, not reborn, but grow again. Yeah. Seven-year cycle, at least for a lot of the stock market in many ways. I don't know. It's like crypto has a four-year cycle right now. I don't know. (laughs) No, you're right. Yeah, it's four years. But I will say like you'll, even though it's four years, you start seeing the the upsweep much earlier. So like I Mm -hmm. felt like it was this last time, I felt like it was a bull market, like I think a lot earlier than other people did because I was just at the bottom, bottom of the bear market <laughs> before, like the absolute bottom. But yeah, it, if you trust yourself, I mean, I'm a big believer in data. I think numbers don't lie. And if you look at historical data of the projects that have it, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, like all signs point to, you know, a positive future. So you just have to do what makes you feel comfortable. And if you want to do it, like do it. <laughs> Yeah, you have to have faith. Trust that gut. Yeah. Yeah. I have one final question. Yeah. Just if there are any specific projects or coins that you're really interested in, excited about, even amidst the downturn, you know, a little inside intel. Yeah. So I've been stocking up on Ethereum. Like I've been buying mm-hmm. Ethereum since it was under a hundred dollars. Mm. I'm a big believer in it because, as I said before, it provides just such a good foundation for their projects. And yeah. they're switching; they're becoming a proof of stake protocol from proof of work. So they're going to be more energy efficient and less expensive. Hopefully, starting this fall. And I've also been picking up a lot of Algo, 
because it's carbon negative and I love it. It's a, a payment processor, great coin. Ooh. And um, I mean, you guys know I'm always a fan of basic attention tokens. So I've been getting more of that too. I love a token that rewards creators and like rewards consumers and creates this whole lifestyle like cycle. Um, so those are kind of like the three that I'm I'm pushing right now. Are you still using Brave Browser? Yeah, I'm on it right now. I still haven't switched over. I don't know why. I haven't either. I I need to do it. It's one of those things like it's not high on somebody's priority list, like switching their browser. Like (laughs) For us, we're always talking about it. Really constantly. (laughs) I promise you will love it. Like Caitlin and I have been using it for years and I'm obsessed. That's such a vapid way to put it, but there's nothing else I can say for it. Like I'm genuinely obsessed. Done. You also told me about this one, Loli. Loli. Do you still use that? Yeah. I mean, essentially, it's like Rakuten, mm-hmm. but for crypto. Oh, so cool. It's, yeah, they accepted all the shops that I already shop at. So it's like, oh, if you shop at the Reformation, you get 9% back in Bitcoin or 8% back. What? Can you use it on your browser? Is it only an app on your iPhone? You can do it as um, an extension on your browser. Cool. But it's all the places I shop at anyway. So... Definitely check it out. It's just just like Brave Browser. Like I think just anywhere you can earn free crypto rewards, like why not? That's like so low risk. And a bear market's a great time to earn those rewards because they'll stack up. Mm-hmm. It's like the new point systems, like hacking your point systems. Now it's architecting all of your crypto earning potential. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I need to figure out the point stuff. Every time I see one of those Instagram accounts, I'm like, Oh, this is so like one of my genius. Days. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm on the points game right now. Michelle really <laughs> has nailed it. I'm I'm almost there, but not totally. <laughs> so obsessed. Oh wait, I'll tell you the app that I'm that I love that's really, really helpful. It's called Card Pointers. Oh my God, I'm gonna write this down. It's incredible. I can't believe I wasn't using points before. I feel so stupid. I feel like I've just wasted my money. Oh my God. I can't even figure out how to like transfer my Discover points into airline miles. It's like, <laughs> well, they make it. Uh, I think purpose. you have to call them. Yes, they make yeah. it really challenging on purpose. Although I will say, Amex, huge Amex stan over here. They make it very easy on Amex to do that. And your Amex points are like worth 10x airline points. So it's worth it to earn the points on Amex and then switch them over to Delta or then United or whatever the airline is that you use. You need to do a whole episode about <laughs> how to get these points. Actually, I'm, we are going to Italy as a team in like 10 days, which is a little scary, but also really exciting. And um, I think we're going to record an episode. If people are curious, let us maybe know on Instagram people about how we paid for it and how we did it because I used every hack in the book to make it happen. Oh my God. No, I would totally listen to that. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I will say, do you guys have a business credit card? I just got one. Great. And I need to get the points with it. I would say it's worth it to do like the Amex Platinum. You pay an extra fee, but you get so much stuff for free with it as a small business owner. And the points are amazing. And every time you book travel, you get like 5X points. So anytime you're paying for a flight or for an Uber or for a hotel, it's like so worth it. 
That's amazing. I'm like thinking about all the crypto conferences we can go to yeah. if we can do the points. Yes, seriously. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's 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 incredible. You can even use points to like pay for purchases on Amazon and stuff like that. So that's worth. I love it. That's the one thing I figured out how to do. Like, <laughs> the Amazon does make it very easy. I just bought like a ton of printer ink. Yeah. For, I was like, free. <laughs> printer ink, it's notoriously expensive. expensive. It's, expensive. It's, so expensive. <laughs> it's like offensively expensive. Ugh. My God, I cannot. Like, my printer's been out of ink for like six months because I kept mooching off Caitlin. She has like a laser printer. Oh, hell yeah. But it got to the point where I'm like, I guess I have to print out this contract because somebody wanted me to like fax something over. No, it's 2022. I would simply refuse. How does one fax? Sorry, we can't do business together. Like, I can send you a screenshot. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. That's like if someone tries to do a call with me, but it's on Google Hangouts, and I'm just like, no, no, it's, it's Zoom or nothing. Like, sorry, we're just gonna have to do a regular phone call. I'm not gonna be on Google Hangouts with you. Not a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Shireen, where can people find you and learn more about what you're up to with Crypto Witch Club? And what do you guys have on deck right now that you're so excited about? So we have our Crypto Witch Club membership NFTs coming out Yay! in September. Oh my God, so exciting. Oh, so we're going to give out a bunch of free ones. We're gonna do a whole event. Amazing. And then right now we have guides you can download for free on our website, or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Crypto Witch Club. I'm like, how do we get on the whitelist? Yeah, no, you guys are definitely on it. We're going to do an event where we're going to teach people how to get their first NFT and we're going to drop it to everybody. So so nice. Yeah, because we're like the people who should have the first membership. They're essentially like membership cards. Yeah. And then we're going to have like punch stickers. So as you do events or as you like buy a guide, you can get little like, stickers put on it yeah Um, yeah, we're really excited I'm also like we've done an NFT before but we've never done to the scale and I'm like oh I knew what I was getting into but I'm like no I didn't oh that seems like just a trial by fire fire situation we were working on something similar for a while before we shelved it and we'll probably come back to it at some point but we were like there's a lot there's a lot of steps here (laughs) there's a lot to do (laughs) and it's great because like I think I get so excited about an idea and Michelle I feel like you're this way too then I have to do it like it's full scale and I'm like bigger and bigger and bigger then I have Caitlin who's like well let's start out like this (laughs) like scale it back (laughs) I feel like the team is constantly like um okay Michelle that's a cool idea but we are working on 700 other things so maybe no yeah you need you need the team like that though you need like your besties to be like what a great initiative like let's break into how the enthusiasm it's cool that you're into this yes yeah so I'm trying to like make it like the best possible thing but also make it doable so I'm not like setting myself up for failure but we'll definitely we'll definitely be dropping you both some. We're really excited. Ooh, can't wait. So excited. Oh, that's yeah. And we're just like, I think for the people who have been with us since the beginning, we're like, just give them to everybody, you know? And then people in the future can buy them. But we're like, yep. let's just start start it going. Reward everybody who's been around. And then, you know, we'll have like the the new channel and it'll be exciting. Oh, I can't. If I get it done. You will. You will. I see it happening already. Yeah. Well, Serene, thank you so much for taking the time with us. It was so good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. The 12th House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.